Hello there and welcome to edition four of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey. Hello there. I am The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent and every week I will host this Canaries chat with familiar names and Canaries characters. For you this week, a point proven at Leicester, our latest hodge spot and a city history boy away with the blue Brazil. Uh, leading us through it all, we have uh, forever a Norwich favourite, Darren Huckabee. Thanks for having me. And PA Media's sports journalist and Norwich fan, Jim Van Wyck. Pleasure as always, Michael. And just before we get going properly, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic to read great articles and get access to all 11 of our brand new podcasts. And just by listening to this show, you can subscribe now with a 40% discount by going to theathletic.com and using the code NORWICHPOD. Gentlemen, welcome to you. Uh, Christmas is, is coming. It's, it's grey outside, but we're in high spirits, obviously. I'll just speak for myself there. Uh, Darren, how are you? Very well, yeah, very well. Uh, after the weekend, a bit of a lift. So uh, it's, it's nice to have a few days with a bit of positivity. This is very true. Um, are you enjoying the ambassador ring? Yes, Yes, it's uh, it's not very taxing to be honest, but it's uh, it's enjoyable. <laughs> uh, what, what a way to put it, uh, Jim. How are you? How's life? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, coming into a very busy period now, you know, with matches coming thick and fast for for everyone. So it's uh, all hands to the all hands to the pump at uh, at PA. This is true. Uh, okay, well, there is uh, no denying it was a good weekend for Norwich City, becoming only the second team to take any points off Leicester at the King Power Stadium this season, uh, which. I, I suppose really makes me quite frustrated because if Norwich are a team that can do this and can beat Manchester City here, Darren, why on earth are they second from bottom in the table and, and struggling so much? Yeah, considering the two games before that were, you know, we probably didn't show up first half against Southampton and we definitely didn't show up second half against Sheffield United. So, yeah, it's frustrating. I think when we're on it, we, we can cause teams problems and we're just, we're not on it enough at the minute and I think that's the, the biggest problem. We we don't know what's going to, you don't know what team's turning up at the minute. So, uh, it's very good that we've got, got something, deservedly so, but we've got to take it into the games coming up. We've, we've got to impose ourselves, especially at home, against teams that are around us. What do you, I mean, do you think the players are sitting in the dressing room and having that same conversation with themselves? Or will they actually have a theory as to why that is? I think my, my thoughts on it are, I think when, especially against teams where you're not expected to get anything, you know, like at Man City, at Leicester, you kind of think it's kind of a free hit. But when you're at home against Villas and Sheffield United, where you're expected to win and the fans expect you to win. So I don't know if that's a different mindset going into the games. The kind of the pressure's off. If you go to Leicester, if you get something, it's just a bonus. But playing at home against the teams around us, the pressure's slightly different. And I think that's shown when we've played a couple of times. Jim, I suppose a lot of fans talk about their teams as if, oh, we always do well against the better teams and what, what have you, and then struggle against one. But it, it is quite profound how Norwich have have sort of come unstuck really so far it is I mean I, th I think Darren absolutely hit the hit the nail on the head there you know when you, you you go into these places no I mean nobody expected Norwich to get anything against Manchester City nobody really expected Norwich to get anything I suppose against Arsenal even though they were you know were a bit out of form and I do remember saying to someone after after the Sheffield United defeat we're that bad we'll probably go and get something at Leicester and it's almost that kind of that kind of feeling isn't it but it's those free hits, if you like, and those free points that Norwich pick up have then got to be backed up by positive results against the teams in and around them. But at the moment, those teams around them are also, you know, losing and not 
gaining ground on Norwich moving away. So Norwich are not really cut adrift. But if you look at the amount of losses in, in, in the column, really, you know, it, it, Norwich should be adrift at, at the bottom. But the fact that the other teams aren't picking up points as well, you know, means that there still is hope for Norwich to go and pick up um, some points against, you know, the likes of, of, of Villa and, uh, and, and Wolves coming up. It's, it's hard looking at the table because, I mean, there is quite a sizable gap to the, there's a whole rung of teams in the middle, aren't they? Who are quite sort of, they probably are looking over their shoulder, but feel also they've got a fair gap to, to Norwich. There is a pretty sizable gap for those guys. And uh, again, I think I wrote during the week that, you know, a third of the wins that the teams around Norwich have had have come against Norwich, <laughs> which is sort of making life very difficult for them. Yeah, it's worrying because uh, you, you, you've not really got to the pressurised part of the season yet. So everyone's saying, oh, things are OK, we can pick up. As soon as you get after Christmas, it's, you're in the countdown and then it's really difficult to pick up points because everyone's scrapping for the same points. So, you know, this next four or five games are vital. If we're going to stay up, we've got to start taking points at home and we've, and we've got to start getting things against teams that are around us because you won't stay up by beating Man City. Uh, we spoke to this b- before, yeah. we, you know, before we started the podcast. I think that could have kind of killed us beating Man City because I think it gave everybody, me included, a false sense of security believing that we can just turn up and beat anybody. And then we, you know, we didn't probably turn up for five, six games after that. So it's, it's starting to get to the important part of the season now where it's got to, you've got to start winning games. Um, my piece over on The Athletic following the game was focused on Emi Buendia. Um, it does touch on Todd Cantwell as well. And, and those two playing together, they're, they're quite a different dynamic than, say, when Onel Hernandez has played and Norwich have had a bit more pace on one of the flanks. So... Uh, and they do seem to have had most of their good results with with Emmy and Todd playing together. Uh, but then I would have thought that, I, and I thought last season that the dynamic of having an El Hernandez and the pace to mix it up would, was actually would actually be more useful. So, what do you reckon, Jim? I mean, could Todd and Emmy together um, supporting Timu the way to go? I think going forward has has not really been Norwich's issue this season, apart from perhaps maybe not being clinical enough and, and paying for not taking their opportunities, like in, against Sheffield United, not getting the second goal against Manchester United, not getting the first goal. But it's, it's just got to be defensively. And I think it's just how do you find that balance? How do you find the right mix behind to free up all of these players, to give them the licence to, to move forward, to give you know, Bendia able to help with that transition to pick out that ball? And in, in your piece there, you were talking about the him tracking back more. I mean, it'd be interesting to take, get Darren's take on a, a forward player about, you know, the development now where you see these guys, they have to track back all the time. They have to make up, they have to make up the ground. I think those two playing in that position can help with the supply line going forward. But for me, it's got to be more about who plays behind. I mean, I thought Amadou, he'd seem to be the player who would fit that in or, you know, Tetty, I know he gets a little bit leggy behind the games, but it's just got to give Norwich more protection at the back. And, and I think they probably look a bit more balanced now um, defensively in, in the last couple of games. I mean, again, Emmy was dipped out after giving the ball away after two minutes at Watford, which was, I think, probably the last time he started a game, maybe apart from um, Sheffield United off the top of my head. So, what do you reckon, Darren? It probably, the probably uh, time out probably gave him a different perspective. You know, I don't think he was at the standards he was at the end of last season. Uh, so sitting out a few games, reevaluating where he is and how he's got to play, probably did him a bit of good. You know, I think Todd Cantwell has been one of our best attacking players this season. So on merit alone, I think he should be starting. And it's, you know, I don't, I think Stephen's probably struggled a little bit. You know, obviously Morris Lighton has not been involved for a, bit, a little bit. So I think the lads that are there deserve to be there. It's just whether you do play Anel or Todd or Buendia. You know, Anel does put other teams on the back foot 
but his end product's not where it needs to be at the minute. So you kind of, at one sense, you, you know that he's going to cause teams problems, but if he's not creating chances, he's not scoring goals, then you know, is it better about having Buendia and Campbell? It's fascinating watching these players because we're, we're watching them try and develop to the Premier League level, aren't we? We've seen them look so... Com- like someone like Onel Hernandez took a real step forward last season, didn't he? But then you, it's just the amount of work then to reset again and do it in the Premier League. Yeah, I think you know, Premier League's different for, for different players with different attributes. And I think Todd Campbell's really shone this season because in the Premier League, you do get a little bit more time on the ball. You know, in the Championship, it's all hustle and bustle. People are kicking you, scrapping and fighting. I think Premier League, you probably get a little bit more time, even though people are quicker and stronger. They kind of let you play a little bit, and I think that suited Todd's game. And you know, I expect Wendy to carry on creating goals. We do know we're very lucky that we've got Puki, who you know does score goals. Nearly every chance he gets, he takes. So, you know, for us, that's a massive bonus because you always know you're in a, in the in the game. And you've got a chance if you get him the, the right kind of service. What a hugely important player. Uh, a couple of little things to talk about briefly if you want to uh tim cruel it was his first own goal in the premier league he's played a lot 180 odd premier league fixtures i think off the top of my head that shame <laughs> jim what more is there to say about it yeah. i mean i should it have given should it have been given to jamie vardy anyway i, I think suppose. it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. Do you? yeah. even though it wasn't uh, actually going in no i mean be, uh, I, I had to watch it about four times on match of the day before i thought was it going in was it going wide but yeah i mean he, he could have pushed one in earlier couldn't he darren with that yeah, for someone who's going for the Premier League record to have that taken off you, yeah. he's like, come on, he's scored eight on, the, eight, eight on the trot. It's a goal anyway, just give it to the forward. It wasn't going in. I think just just what annoyed me with, with, with that is why Norwich, again, get undone at a set piece and why they can't yeah. defend and, you know, zonal marking, but we could do a whole new podcast on that one. It's, it's not just a zonal marking. I think from crosses in open play, we've got to do better. And I think probably that's probably why Byram's come in, you know, because... Maybe his defence slightly better than Jamal at the minute. I think so. The other thing I wanted to touch on was uh, Kelechi Iheanacho's, um antics I've written here where he uh, decided not to give the ball back to Norwich, even though I think all 21 other players were expecting him to. And then we sort of get a foul, a bit of a ruck. And then even though there's a free kick, uh, Norwich uh, James Madison, in fact, gives the ball back to Norwich when there was no real need to. Um, the, the Leicester players were all coming out and saying, no, it's just, he just didn't understand. Ian Acho didn't understand. He's what. been playing the game long enough to know that, you know, from every age group football you're playing, you know that there's some kind of sportsmanship that's got to go on. He just had a, a, a rush of blood. But the, 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 the big thing, it's a good job that uh, Zimmerman or Todd Campbell didn't get sent off because then that changes the old dynamic of the game because... He could have sent off Zimmerman. He could have done. It wasn't a, wasn't a clever challenge, was it? And no. you've seen Todd, you know, you've seen yeah. players sent off yeah. less than that. If he was heading towards Goldmore and Zimmerman had done that, then it would have been a red card. And then the game completely changes. And you're talking about, you know, would VAR sort I don't think it would. I don't think it could have done. I, I have to say, I don't think there's any way VAR was letting anyone get sent off in that situation after what had happened. So I don't know. I don't think anyone knows with the VAR at the moment. <laughs> um, and uh, the other thing um, we should just touch on, Temu Puki, uh, Daniel Farker revealed, uh, broke, played with a broken toe. I mean, lots of people will be worried. Darren, your reaction to that? Are you, are you fit? Are you ready? There's no, there's no way that he will miss a game with a broken toe. There you go. So we're taking that as gospel. Especially, especially because it's... It's just going to be game after game after game, so they're not going to be training that much anyway. So they'll have it injected, rest it, have it injected, rest it. That's how it always happens. There's no way they're going to let 
uh, only form of goal scorer miss the game because of a broken toe, he'll be fine. So how, how, do, you, how do you manage an injury like that? Then, as, as, well, as, there's, as a there's two things you can do. You can either completely rest it or you get it injected and you carry on. And I've, I know loads of people just play on with a broken toe. It's no problem. And the other thing, of course, is um, Timu is Finnish, so he has Sisu and doesn't really need to be uh, injected with anything else. Season's greetings, one and all, and welcome to another Hodge Spot. I am going to talk about substitutions today. Last season, Norwich City were the architects of many a memorable comeback in what was an outstanding campaign. And a key ingredient in that were the substitutions that Daniel Farker made late in matches. Um, our friend NCFC numbers absent today, but um, still very much with us in spirit, tells me that most unenforced changes were made in the last 15 minutes of matches last season. And Norwich City's superior fitness levels came to bear in that period of matches as well. But now that we're in the Premier League, I think our fitness levels are just pretty much up to par with everyone else. Um, so that is not going to be as much of a factor. So I think that for me says that Daniel Farker should be thinking about making his changes perhaps a bit earlier in matches. I think at the weekend there, there was it was a really good Norwich City performance and the, the, there was lots to admire. But could we have perhaps seen Steeperman and Onel Hernandez come on a bit earlier? Does that chance at the end maybe go in if they've had a bit more time to warm into the game? That's the, the, the question that I'm asking there. So I think there's something for Daniel Farka maybe to think about just in terms of how he approaches it with a tactical methodology in these late stages of games now that we're a Premier League team. Now, it was a big day for James at Madison coming up against his former club for the first time. I had a quick chat with him immediately after the game on Saturday. Has it been nice to catch up with some of the, the guys? Yeah. Having a hug with Stuart? And yeah, yeah, like yeah. Brilliant. Uh, obviously, through the game for the 90 minutes, it's game head on and they're the opponent and the enemy. But uh, after, once you settle down, you, de- and you, you debrief and, and you calm down a bit. I went in and seen the lads, seen Daniel, seen Stuart, seen Delia. Um, I love Norwich City, it's a fantastic club, you know, and I've got so much respect and I'm so grateful for everything, every opportunity they gave me and the process of me leaving was, they were all so happy for me to leave and that's, that's very rare, as I always say. Um, they were happy for me to go and showcase my talent in the Premier League and I don't think you'd get that with every manager, owner and sporting director, so went to see them, told them off a bit for taking two points off us, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been nice to see some familiar faces. Just two other ones, you mentioned how Norwich kind of have done better against the better teams this year. Yeah. What, having come up against them, what, you got any idea what that might be? Looking at I don't know. I've, I watch Norwich very closely, probably close enough just because of my love and affection for them and my because uh, I played for them. But uh, I don't know. It's Maybe when they're the team that has to take the initiative against the teams like I watch Southampton game and Burnley and games like this, when they're the team that's maybe expected to dominate possession, then come a little bit unstuck maybe. Um and against the teams at the top who have a lot of the balls and maybe more space on, on, on the transition. But like I said, Campwell, Buendia are good in them pockets today and they're solid behind the ball. With uh, Look a lot better with uh, Zimbo at the back, yeah. uh, to be honest. Teddy and Tribal are two holding midfield players who are so hard because they work so hard and like I said, they're fighting for every point, so it's tough. And Emmy and Todd were the two I was going to ask you about, actually, because I mean they're having to make that step up that you had to make yeah. last year. So I mean, how long, how long did it take you to kind of feel like you found your feet in the Premier League? And like, how, how patient is it to, to be with those two? Um, yeah, be patient. You always have to be patient. If I was sending a message to Norwich fans on Wendy and Campbell, like you said, I'd say be patient. They've both got good quality. Everyone can see that. I watch them out there. They're good players and... 
Toddy's scored a few goals this year. He's doing really well. He's making an impact. He's tough to play against today. He gave us problems because of his football intelligence, um, even though he fouled me once. I feel unhappy about it. But, yeah, just stay patient and hopefully the quality that they have can come through and, and stay up here. Yeah. Now, last week, uh, Norwich played Sheffield United on a Sunday, but I clearly couldn't have a Saturday without football. So I went all the way up to Scotland for the day uh, to watch Cowdenbeath host Elgin City in Scottish League Two. Uh, now home to the man who became Norwich City's youngest player back in 2007 in a victory at Leicester. Chris Renton. How would you describe your football now in terms of how you feel about it and what you're doing? Um, I'm, I enjoy it. I enjoy football. Um, it's obviously not the level I dreamed of when I was a young boy coming through school. Um, but I'm happy. I'm happy playing at Cowden Beef. I'm happy the way my career's went. I've obviously done something that not many kids can do mm. or eh, have done sorry or will ever do um, I mean, it's something that will always stick with me and I appreciate that I've had the chance to do it So when you first came in I guess Nigel was boss wasn't he? Did you yes. speak Did you speak to him much or was it when, was it when I guess it was when Peter came in that you started training? I spoke I spoke a lot to Nigel he, he was really good um, I remember one time at training, he's mean him or pinging a ball. He just pinged a ball to me and told me to control it and ping it back. And then me and him for five minutes pinging the ball back and forth. He just trying to test me, you know. And it was just, it was just something that I always remember. Amazing that a manager having the time to do something like that mm. with a young boy. It was, yeah. it was just good, really good. And he gave me the chance to train with the first team a couple of times as well. Not, yeah. not much because that was obviously quite early doors. Yeah. Um, but I still got the chance to train a couple of times and everything. So, what was it like being in the, in the first team group before you'd made your debut? Because obviously there were some quite big characters in there, weren't there? Nerve wracking. Yeah. <laughs> nerve wracking. Honestly, really, really nerve wracking. It's. It probably affects you a wee bit very how nervous you are. Like the way you train, you're obviously every ball that comes to you, you're concentrating so hard. I don't want to be giving this away because it's a hard school. If you start making mistakes and these pros, they're no, they don't care that you're young. They want to train proper. So I, I was, I was nervous and it sh- I did get a few bollocks because I, I was that nervous and obviously. Gave the ball away cheaply a couple of times, and they like, they gave it hard, and which you wouldn't expect anything else. I would do that now yeah. right, to a younger boy. Yeah. Um, so I, it was just nerve wracking, but they, they were also helpful as well. Like they, they weren't doing it to be bad, giving you a hard time. They were doing it to help you, um, which was good. And it was some of the players that were in that squad is unbelievable, like legends. Eh? So people that you look up to when you're a young boy like me and think that's I would love to do what they've done yeah. I would love to do what they've done and love the career that they've uh, that they have yeah. but do they give you any advice do they ever put any is there any bit that sticks in your mind that they told that you can tell me the, or maybe that you can't I don't mind when um, what, <laughs> after I made my debut I've told you already I got my, my shirt signed and everything yeah and uh, Dion wrote on the on the shirt two rents, capital letters work, <laughs> explanation mark, explanation mark, just work. That's all it was, and it was just made me think. 
I'm obviously not working hard enough. Yeah. I'm obviously not working hard enough. So that's something that always I had. I, I kind of giggled with it, but it just shows that I probably wasn't working hard enough. But I was that young and that that um, immature. Mm. That was, I was sixteen year old. No, I mean, it's... I'm going to say. I mean, you say that you know you'd do that to any young kid if you were playing with them now. Bear in mind, you're probably one of you know slightly elder, elder guys, <laughs> yeah, you know, experienced players. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you were doing that at what 15, 16. 16. I mean, that that's that's it's, proper young. It's not think, like an eighteen, nineteen. Year thinking old, is it? back, like you see now when <laughs> I see players coming training as they are sixteen year old, it's like they're, I'm like he's a player, he's a player, he's brilliant, he's got a chance. This isn't the level that I was at, like Norwich when I was at. So I, I just don't know how it happened. I honestly do. I, I'm still so confused at how I managed to do that when I was 16 year old. Yeah. Like seeing players that now that obviously I'm 29 years old, um, 16 year old that come in and they do well, even if they struggle a bit, you still think you still see that they've got a bit. Yeah. You still see they're a player. And not not ready for a first team or anything, and not getting a chance. But you can see that they are a player, and I'm like, how did I play in the English Championship for Norwich City at 16 at that age? I was like, it's I'm confused to be honest. <laughs> I'm confused. Oh, I, I could be, I'll allow you that. Um... <laughs> after it wasn't. Uh, wasn't after the Colchester game. It was after another game. It was another news sub. And someone, a fan, came up to me and said, don't worry, you've got until Burnley away <laughs> to do it. And, I, like, honestly, breaking a record at the time was not on my mind. I wasn't fussed about breaking a record. I, I just wanted to play football and do as well as I possibly could. If I never broke the record at the time, I would not have been fussed at all. But a fan came up to say, you've got Burnley away to do it. And I was like, it wasn't in the back of my mind. But as soon as it happened, it was just like, I've just broke a record like, yeah. what, what is going on um, so I it was in the change room everyone came up congratulating me and things like that even media guys everything everyone in the club just congratulating you it was just an amazing feeling remember Fonsi is that still going yeah, on yeah it's not still going but it's different right. things but the, yeah, yeah. the guy that ran that he um, that'd be John Landable yeah I think so yeah he got he got 100 mugs made for me um, and it's rent three rights history, and it's a picture of me, a signature, two pictures of me, a signature, and then Norwich City record breaker, youngest player ever. Um, I've actually still got them, and I've still got two or three in the house. Not a hundred. No, no. <laughs> did they sell them to make money? Did they? Also? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fonsi sold them. Did you have to sign? Do you have to? Did you I, have to physically sign one? I signed a bit of paper and yeah, they got yeah. printed on. Um, you still got them? I love that. I've still got. I've still got. I think I've got two. I think I've got number one. This is when my immaturity came really badly. I went back to pre-season and I wasn't fit. I wasn't fit at all. I should have been so much fitter. I thought that I would be fine. I was a young boy, I would be fine. But I went back nowhere near as fit as I should have. And Peter Grant actually went in the papers and said, there's young boys that have came back that aren't fit anywhere near fit enough. And I was, I was probably the worst out of the lot. Um, so I I got bombed. I got told to go and train with the youth team again, um, which was understandable. Looking back now, it's so stupid what I done. But when I got back, I did put the work in again, and I did um, 
realised what I'd done, got the head down, got us a kick in, and take it put back into the youth team as well from being with the first team. Um, so I worked hard to get try and get back to where I was. Um, and I was getting there, I, I scored like nine goals in five or six games for the youth team. So I was doing I was doing really well again. Um, and obviously that Chelsea game happened. Um, broke my leg. Um, and it was just just when I got told after it that I was, uh, the manager was ready to take me in the squad again because we were playing QPR on the Monday. And I never played again that season. Um, just really, really struggled um, in the gym for the whole season. Just couldn't really, couldn't really get over it. I remember there was people after Christmas coming in with stookies on. And I'm walking, I'm like... With what? Stu- like a stookie, like a cast. Oh, OK, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. is that a Scottish? Uh, yeah, it might be, no, might be. Scottish, I like a stookie. With a cast on. <laughs> um, and I'm, like, starting to walk and things like that, and I'm like, oh, that's shit, shit for them. They're um, going to... They must be out for ages. And the physio was like, no, they'll be back before you. Oh. I'm like, how's that possible? I was like, they've got a cast on. I'm walking, I'm off my crutches. How is that possible? I was like, because it is, like, you've got, still got a long way to go, and it just went, it was just never ending. I remember people saying he should never have made his debut. He should never be the youngest player to play for us because the player I had came back. Yeah. Um, at the time when I was younger, it was hard to take, but... Now looking back, I'm, I don't care what other people say. Um, they don't. They don't know what, what what was going on with me. They don't know that my I was as, like my confidence was away. My, I, I was a different body shape. I wasn't. I wasn't the same player. And it's. Uh, I'll be the first person to hold my hands up and say. And I think that's the reason I was happy to not happy to leave. That's the wrong word. Yeah. Um, but I was willing to give it up because I'm, I knew I'd just lost everything that, that I had before. You know the thing about records? They, they, they do sometimes get broken. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> it's a weird old record to break, though, isn't it? I know. Uh, someone I, I get asked that all the time. Like, are you still? Is it still? And I was like, yeah, well, I think so. <laughs> Not that I've been told anyway, but you know what? If someone's lucky enough to break that, I'll be absolutely delighted for them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't bother me in this slightest that I'd be delighted for them. Because the thing is, like, people look at, like you said, people are like, oh, you shouldn't be our youngest player because it's just whatever, it's like a throwaway thing, but. You think about a six, a sixteen-year-old playing at that level uh-huh. is nuts. Oh, that's crazy. Well, so that you have level. to be, you have to be some sort ah, of special yeah, player to do that, even crazy. if it's only for that period. It's, it's an unbelievable thing. It's, you don't get many sixteen-year-olds playing amateur football with men. Never mind playing in the championship or premiership if that would what it be now. So uh, it's, it, it was an unbelievable achievement for me. And if a young kid is lucky enough to do that, I'll be honestly first person to congratulate them because I know how he'll be feeling. And you can read my full and frank piece with Chris Renton at The Athletic at right now. I have to say that the game lived up to all your possible expectations. It was goalless. It was the worst conditions I've ever known in terms of rain on what is widely regarded as the worst pitch in Scottish football because they've got a stock car um, ring around it and the cars all park on the, on the pitch but, but it was great to see him and I th- he's obviously been through a lot with uh, it was amazing how quickly everything happened for him Darren because I think he came down from Scotland at the age of 16 in the June by the 
um, April or by the March, he was in the first team 18 match day or however many it was then. And by April, he was playing in the championship. And in fact, you got a broken, uh, you injured your back in the warm up at Burnley and that gave him his, his one and only start. Well, Do you I, remember I, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can remember the game. I didn't know he started. Yeah, that was his start. <laughs> I, I know, I know he, he got started. He didn't play many games because of, of injury, but yeah, I think I was, we was on a bus driving up to Burnley. It was like nine hours it took us to get there. <laughs> went to do my boots up before the game, literally just, just my back just went, and then I had to fly back with Delia on the on the plane. I oh, wasn't all bad then. Well, because we had Ipswich three days later. Oh, okay. So Did I you make that? Yeah, I played in that game. Oh, yeah. there you go. Typical. Didn't fancy it then. Cold night in Burnley. <laughs> I think we got beat three 0 as well. So that one, that one, great. No, it wasn't. That's very true. It, it wasn't. It wasn't great. I mean, it's remarkable how these. I mean, even Chris Renton himself was like, I, I'm almost a bit confused as to how I ended up making that journey so quickly. And obviously, he probably assumed that it would. It would carry on like that, but but one injury and it, it can all unravel quite quickly. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's so many players who who get who get an opportunity like that, and then their career is 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 cut back is cut back through is cut back through injury. But it's great to see a club like Norwich that we still do bring the academy youngsters through and still do give them an opportunity. We had the big thing this weekend about Manchester United that they had I think 4,000 games or something that they play with a, with an academy graduate. And I think that's what's been so impressive about Norwich, that even in the Premier League, he's still giving the young guys a chance, you know, to prove in the guys that still have a, have a link with have a link with the club. Indeed. And I, I imagine that the uh, situation might have been slightly differently post-injury for Chris Renton compared to how... Um, the players are looked after now just by virtue of more staff and more more means I suppose yeah it's you know it depends on how badly he broke his leg you know some some are dead easy and you, you're back after two months some it depends on what you've done so yeah it's it's not easy when, you, when you're when young lad and you get injured but that's that is football and it it's, it's happens week in week out all over the country this is true indeed when when did you make your debut down you were pretty young weren't you yeah I was 16 17 for Lincoln Lincoln sir. scored on my debut 1-2-1 one, one. Shrewsbury away alright alright <laughs> big day that was how, how was it coping with the with being in men's football from that age uh, I wasn't in it very often so I was just in the youth team so yeah. I just went along and I was on the bench I came on with about 20 minutes ago and scored uh, I didn't really make my full for a season half after so oh, okay. So I was, all ra- I was around it but yeah. and uh, the third division is slightly different to Championship, when you're coming up against defenders down there. Which is exactly what Chris said. Uh, so there we go. You can read the full piece with Chris. Uh, fun fact, I ended up presenting the Man of the Match Award to a Cowden Beef left-back Harvey Swan after the game um, with two Americans that decided to enjoy the spectacle um, of Cowden Beef while on a, on a trip to the UK. And they were picked up while I was being shown the club shop. So um, there we go. Uh, Matt and Brian, I hope you had a great trip. And there's a great picture of, picture of the three of us presenting the Man of the Match Award, you know. Exactly, all the best gigs, top top stuff. So it is uh, Wolves at Carrow Road uh, next, and then it's all about Christmas, uh, which is, of course, Aston Villa at uh, Villa Park on Boxing Day, and then Norwich hosts Spurs two days later, and then it's Crystal Palace who visit here on uh, New Year's Day. I should say, by the way, we are actually recording at Carrow Road, which is which is lovely. Um, do you miss this time of year as a player, Darren? This was my favourite time. Was it? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Just because there was that many games, I was fitter than everybody else. So two-day turnarounds were brilliant for me because I just thought they're going to be tired and I'm not. So I used to love it. Fantastic. I, I don't know. Almost, uh, I, it's me and my stereotypical players thinking oh, I'd rather be at home with the family and what have you. But yeah, There's a bit of that. I suppose when you get a bit older and you've got kids and stuff, but 
literally Christmas don't count for footballs. It, it, it's the busiest time of the year. So, you know, it's all the funds are there. You know you're playing six, seven games in 12, 13 days. You've just got to get through it. And I used to love it. No one thinks of the journalists, do they, Jim? It can be a little bit nippy, can't it? It's time <laughs> of year out well. and about. Yeah. Long johns. But yeah. Well, yeah. All, and those, you have to have those touchscreen gloves now as well, don't you? You, you need for gloves. all the iPads. Yeah. <laughs> that's, in, that's the insight everyone yeah. wants, I'm sure. Uh, right. Uh, remember, if you subscribe to The Athletic, then make sure you log on to the website and app two hours after every Norwich City kickoff to discuss all the key topics from the action. And uh, we will return next week with our 2019 Norwich City uh, review. But that is it for OTB4 this podcast is freely available so make sure you subscribe with your podcast player of choice either on Apple or Android and if you want to get in touch with us just sling me a tweet or direct message on Twitter at Michael J Bailey Uh, until next time of course uh, thank you very much Darren thank you thank you Jim no thank you and uh, thanks to Hodgie and thank you all for listening Uh, we'll be back next week for edition 5 of On The Ball a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger.